Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Glad you are joining us. I hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a great summer. If you're, you know, depending on the hemisphere that you're in, if you're having a great winter, then have a great winter. If you're listening to this months and months down the line, whatever the weather's doing, I hope it's what you want it to be doing. All right. Hey, today we've got a repeat guest. We don't have many repeat guests, but today we got a good one for you. We're hanging out with our friend Neen James, who is a five foot ten Australian powerhouse, maybe four foot 10. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Before we get to today's conversation with Neen, hey, let me remind you, we have a, uh, a tool where if you're wondering, I, I, I tell you what, I get asked all the time, like, how much should I charge as a speaker? Right? And the reality is, like, it depends, but it depends is a horrible answer. So we have a free calculator that people can, uh, you can check out. You can go to myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com, answer a couple questions, and it will tell you what you should be charging as a speaker, right? There's a lot of variables that go into that. But again, totally free. You can go just it's like answer seven, eight questions or something, and it'll spit out a, a nice little number at you. So check that out over at myspeakerfee.com. All right. So today we are talking once again with Neen James. We had Neen on the podcast way back in episode 124. We are on episode 194 today. And so we figure maybe every 70 episodes we have Neen back. That could be a thing. Uh, so today we're going to talk about attention, getting attention, paying attention, keeping attention. We're going to talk about how to get and keep attention from uh, potential clients and even other speakers. We're also going to talk about just the, the grind of speaking and how to not get discouraged and how to not give up. Uh, Neen has been in the game for many, many years. It's been a very, very successful speaker. But uh, we just kind of talk about the the candidly about the ups and downs of speaking and the highs and lows that come along with the business and with the journey. So a lot to learn here from Neen. Uh, she's a, 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 a just an amazing human, amazing speaker. I think you're really going to enjoy this. So uh, settle in, enjoy this conversation with Miss Neen James. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here today. We are joined by the lovely and sassy Miss Neen James. How are you today, Neen? G'day. What a treat to be back on your show. I mean, a repeat performance. There's not been many repeat people, you know. I know. I, I, mean, I would say probably less than five, maybe, who've been oh, back cool. for round two. So you are you're an elite club right now, so no, no pressure. So fancy. No, so excited. We had you on back in the episode 124 and uh, talked about your story, your journey. And uh, you, uh, you've uh, had a very successful speaking career. You've also got a, a new book out, which we'll touch on in, uh, in a little bit as well. Attention Pays, which is a uh, definitely one we want people to, to check out there. So for people who aren't familiar, again, one, we'll want people to go back and check out 124. But why don't you give us a 30 second version of who you are, what you do and, and how speaking fits into it all. Grew up in corporate business in Australia and uh, worked in retail, banking, telecommunications, and oil. 
a lot of ticks in oil, as you can imagine. But as an attention expert, I am obsessed with getting the world to pay attention. And I realized really early in my career, while I was in the productivity market in my speaking career, I realized you can't manage time, but you can manage your attention. And that's what led us to be able to create the book Attention Pays. So that's kind of the short version of, you know, I've been doing this now for maybe 15 years, Grant. So quite a while. And I mean, I know I sound like I'm five, but I'm significantly older than that. And so I think that speaking has, that's probably about 80% of my income. So it's one of the major profit centers in our practice. Nice. Very good. And so from an attention standpoint, because especially whenever it comes to, this is one thing I tell, I tell speakers all the time is part of what you're trying to do as a speaker is try to stay top of mind with event planners and meeting planners and people who are looking to book a speaker. Because oftentimes the people who are, are booking a speaker for their event, they're working on that maybe a week or two out of the year, the specific speaker part, right? And so it's kind of, it's almost like a, like a realtor's job of someone's going to sell a house or buy a house once every several, several, several years. And you're just trying to be on their radar whenever they're ready Mm -hmm. to make that decision. So part of what you're trying to do as a speaker is really all about like getting and keeping people's attention. Have you found that to be the case in your own speaking business? Yes. And what's so bizarre about this industry, I was talking with you about it. I've talked to Scott Stratton about it, that our sales cycle can be insanely long. Like just the other day, Someone said to me, I saw you speak at a conference and I could not place them, couldn't even place the account, couldn't place the event. And I said, oh, how long ago was that? And they said, oh, I think it was about eight years ago. I mean, holy guacamole. And and this person said, oh, I loved it so much, but this is the first chance I've had to plan an event and choose my speakers. Eight years. Now, here's the contrast to that. I had someone reach out and say, hey, are you available on, let's say, May 5th? And I was like, 2019, they're like, no, no, 2018. And they were just pulling their event together. So it was one of those last minute things. So eight years, eight weeks, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy, this business that I think you got to stay top of mind all the time without being a pain in the neck as well. So it's that balance between getting someone's attention. And I think as long as you're in a relationship where they will open your email or they will respond to your text or they will return your call. I think that's the relationship that we're aiming for. So we're not kind of a pain, but that we are still top of mind. That's the delicate balance. I think we have to be able to manage as speakers. Because it seems like there's two sides of it. There's the getting someone's attention and then there's the keeping someone's attention. So on the getting side, there's uh, an event that I'm looking at and I'm trying to get on their radar. I'm trying to get Mm -hmm. their attention. Like where would we even begin with something like that without being uh, annoying? Okay, so some of it might require a little bit of stalker behavior. So let me explain what I mean by that. So somebody that I met shared the stage with quite some time ago. I remember them saying that they always wanted to be a Pan Am flight attendant, right? Do you remember there used to be an airline called Pan Am? Uh So I thought, okay, here's a way to grab their attention. I want to send them a book, but I don't want to be like that revolting speaker that sends the world a book because that's just a painful, right? Right. So Giving them a homework assignment. Right. I went on to eBay and I found these super cool Pan Am luggage tags from the original Pan Am flights, right? So like stupid cost nothing kind of thing. So package that with a book. What a way to get that buyer's attention because I remember this conversation about they always wanted to be a Pan Am flight attendant. My point is this. We need to pay attention. So you need to give attention to get attention. So some ways to get attention are do something that's a little different. If you're just one more email in their inbox or one more phone message they have to return, it doesn't make you stand out. But find clever ways. The best way that I got one of my major media accounts was I sent them a jar of peanut butter and jelly. 
This jar, which is disgusting, by the way, but I sent this and it stayed on this buyer's table for ages, one of my biggest accounts today, and it was because of a jar of peanut butter and jelly. We have to look for really clever ways to get attention these days because so many people are distracted and they're overwhelmed with the 200 emails they get every day and the 50 text messages. And social media has become so noisy that it's even hard to get people's attention on social now. So we have to look for tangible ways. And I always believe... When everyone's doing this, I do that. So in a very digital world, I think analog systems get attention. And so thinking about clever things, I mean, think about your mail when you get home at the end of the day, right? We don't want to open those white envelopes because it's generally a bill. Um, But if you give someone like a lumpy mail, something like a present, like something they can open, there's just something about that that we don't lose that excitement. So I think we we need to look for clever ways to grab people's attention. And really the best way to grab their attention is rock the stage. I mean, there is no better marketing tool for you than obviously having a killer speech. You and I have talked about this before. That's going to definitely grab someone's attention, but then you have to have some sort of process to keep it. So if I'm if I'm looking to a, a potential client, rather than just sending out you know another generic email that has been sent to them and sent to event planners, and I want to send them something, is is it some type of physical offline analog? To, is that one of the best options to go about sending? For them? me, it has been. Yeah. So I've found that that peanut butter and jelly led to bazillions of dollars down the track, right? Yeah. So I think that's one way to do it. Another way is do it something that makes it stand out. So an easy, cheap, tangible is one of my clients I learned or potential clients is that they're into fly fishing. So I bought a subscription to fly magazine. So every month I landed on their desk. So when they were like tossing out a line heavy in those waiters or whatever those bizarre things are that they wear, then maybe they were thinking of me. And what was really fascinating was how they talked about that. One of my clients in the hospitality, I was trying to um, get their business and learned he and his son were super into beer, right? Now that could be a boy thing. I don't know. I don't drink beer, but I sent them Beer of the Month Club. Now, not an inexpensive way to get their attention, but holy guacamole, did it get their attention? And it led to a roadshow that I did with this client. So I think we just have to be really clever. If you want to stand out, you've got to find very unique ways to do that. And I think you've also got to commit to doing it every day. Like it's a system you have to have in place. So whatever CRM you use, and by the way, I've tried every CRM under the book and I pretty much hated most of them. A good friend of mine recently who used to be in marketing, she said, you know, CRMs are the devil. And I was like, oh my God, that's so perfect, right? Like it's crazy, but you need some way of capturing however, whatever system you're going to use. might be a simple spreadsheet even. What do you use currently? I'm currently using HubSpot and I'm using the free version of it. Yeah, which is a great free tool amazing and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to pay because I'm going to want all the little add-ons like I totally understand that but I tried contextually insightly like batch book I tried so many of them but what my mistake was I don't know if other people have suffered from this and by the way I'm not like a CRM genius but I would import all my contacts and then I'd be like okay I'm ready to go but because I have like over 10,000 people in my database I would get so overwhelmed I would do nothing so I would be paralyzed by the volume whereas with HubSpot my promise to myself was I will literally add a person at a time based on an email conversation or a business card I've collected so I don't know if anyone's starting from scratch but learn from my huge failures and waste of all the money that I've spent and you know think very diligently about what you're going to do what I decided to do was we had in we have about 70 very high-level people on LinkedIn that we are already connected with that I identified would be good people to market to. 
And so now I'm in the process of understanding where they go to school, what's their interests, what are the things they love. So whatever that is, it'll go with the book to that person. One person went to Rudkus, so we just grabbed all this merchandise from Rudkus to put into the book. So a couple of dollars per post, but still worthwhile doing something a little different, you know? So to be devil's advocate, like everything you describe makes sense because it does help you to stand apart. But Neen, it takes time and it takes money. And I, I got to do this research and I got to go, I got to buy crap and I got to send it. And that just oh, sounds like a lot my of My heart bleeds for you. It doesn't. <laughs> Here's the deal. Like we all want the keynote fee, but we want, we don't want to do the hustle and the work to get it. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so this is the hustle. This is the work. This is researching. I pay these researchers in New York to help me before I ever do a speech. I always have a piece of my speech is very, very custom. And so I pay these people to do the research for me so then I can learn the piece to stick in the keynote. Makes sense? It's the same kind of thing. If you can't afford a researcher, then you have to do the work yourself. Now, right now it's me. It's me checking them out. This is the stalkering, right? LinkedIn, Instagram. Insta is my favorite because you really see the lifestyle of someone as opposed to LinkedIn, which is really professional. And Facebook's just too noisy for me. I just, I can't, I just can't even. So I've learned like what works for me might not work for everybody else, but professionally LinkedIn's going to give you what they want to, and look, if it's on Insta, then it's still public information. Don't be like super creepy crazy. Like with, if you decide to employ a stupid strategy, like the one I'm talking about. But for me, because I talk about attention I have to be even more clever. I can't just send a handwritten note with a book to everybody because everyone else would do that. Yeah. I've got to take it up another level. You know who's brilliant at this? Joey Coleman just wrote a great book called Never Lose a Customer mm-hmm. Again. And in the book, what I loved about Joey's, I mean, the book's brilliant, like crazy brilliant. I sat down on Sunday morning, read the whole thing. Like I literally couldn't put it down. I was like, tell me more, tell me more. But Joey talks about this eight-step process about not losing a customer in the first 100 days. But Every chapter has six ways to communicate. And that's what's so clever about Joey. Not only did he share his expertise, but he gave people ideas. And it could be email, phone call, physical mail, presence, those type of things. I think we have to be more clever. Yeah, it's going to take time. Too bad. Suck it up, buttercup. Like you need to make an appointment in your calendar and do it. And that's literally what I'm doing. And so I've been doing my research on planes and convention centers, hotels, because we travel. Yeah. But then on the days when I'm home, I'm like super hyper-focused on making sure that I'm staying in contact. You and I were joking before we jumped on the call about like not just the long sales cycle, but we have to always be in business development mode. Yeah, This to me is another form of business development. Totally. And so it, it also seems like that because the default for most, not just speakers, but just entrepreneurs in general is I want to go to the the lowest common denominator, the easiest thing to do, which may just be a you know spray and pray email approach. It makes it easier to stand out from other people whenever you are doing something different, whether it be you're yeah. sending peanut butter and jelly or you're sending some Pan Am uh, luggage yeah. tag or something like that. That is something that definitely gets people's attention. You can do it easy too, though. There's like some little tricks. Like Vidyard is an easy Chrome extension. I I learned this from Jay Bayer. And so I can go to like your page or maybe even episode 124 of the Speaker Lab, right? Right. And then I bring that page up and then I click on Vidyard, which is just a plug-in free app. What is it? Vidyard, V-I-D-Y-A-R-D, Vidyard. And it's a video way so I can send you a message from that screen. So it's my little face recording a custom message to you on your page. And then I can email it to you, right? Super easy, super quick. So when people were buying my book, they were doing pre-orders. I was shooting Vidyard 
personal thank yous saying, hey, Grant, thank you so much for buying my book. I'm so grateful. And then I would email it to you. Blow people away. Totally. It took me seconds. It's fairly automatic. And then I can see if you opened it or not. Yeah. So there's also a tracking component. But I think my point is that, yeah, this stuff does take time. But you have to find tools that are really congruent with you. I do a lot of video. I will very happily just pull out my cell phone and shoot a text message, video message to someone and just send it off to them. Right. It's a little bit of customization, but it makes you stand out, right? And as speakers, I think we have to constantly be looking for ways to elevate what we do in our profession so that the meeting planners love you so much. They want to recommend you to their friends and they want to think about you for next year. So I just sent a note to a, I did an event about three weeks ago maybe two weeks ago, and I must have got 100 emails from the attendees, which is very unusual, by the way, but I had given them a special offer. They emailed me directly. So I captured all of their lovely comments and their full name, mm-hmm. and I cut and pasted it into a Word doc on my letterhead, and I sent it to the meeting planner, and I said, hey, just wanted to share with you, here's just some of the messages I got, and there was like about 60 comments on there, right? Yeah. And I said, when you go to select your keynotes for next year, I'd love to be considered for 2019. Yeah. So it's a word doc. She may never read it, but the work was it was a pain in the ass, a pain in the butt to sit there and cut and paste them all. Right. And yeah, it took time, but because it's their full name, they can marry that against their registration list and go, "Holy guacamole!" And people wrote really sweet things. Right. So you know what I mean? There's ways totally. we can do it. They don't have to cost you anything. You don't have to go buy stuff, but you have to be more clever. And I, one of the things I talk about in my book is you have to be your own publicist. And as speakers, unless you have the luxury of a true publicist that you're spending five grand on a month, yeah. we have to be doing that kind of work for ourselves. Yeah, totally. And the, the Vidyard using some type of video is a super simple, but yes, it is a, a high potential ROI. We've used um, Loom and Screencastify or two, nice. two other ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, very like cool. We've, we've started doing that with uh, even replying to some emails. Uh, yes. Just shooting a quick video because again, one, it's quicker for me. Like if if I'm going to have to type out several paragraphs and it's quicker for me to turn it on the camera for two minutes and explain what I want to say, it's quicker for me, but it does feel more personal because it doesn't feel like, did I just copy and paste this text or did someone else write this? But like when I'm saying, hi, Neen, I got your email and I wanted to reply back to you. It feels super, super custom to the person. You don't have to do full production either. Totally. Like, I have like a fancy banner behind me because it's hiding my library. And it's like this seven foot wide banner by seven foot high. So I can barely put the thing up. But once it's up, it just covers everything. And suddenly it's obviously about my book. So there's obviously blatant self promotion there. But the other thing is, like, if you just pull out your cell phone and you don't have to have like super fancy or big lights or anything, but it feels so authentic to people. Right. That's another way to stand out is just truly be who you are. be good at what you do. So Pete Sheen is a phenomenal speaker, but Pete is has this brilliant mind. So when he has a call with someone, he listens to everything that they say. Then he creates a white paper in response to the call based on what he knows about the industry and research. And the guy's brilliant, but he sends that white paper as confirmation of the call. Hey, here's some additional thoughts I had for you. It yeah. blows their minds because he's wicked smart. He has access to great research and he does it in a way that is so authentically him we just need to find ways for each speaker that's you know watching this listening to this what's authentic to you so i'm curious then going back to the the crm and the follow-up piece you send the peanut butter and jelly what's the process from there like it's kind of a balance of like sometimes they will take the initiative to reach out i got the peanut butter and jelly that's so cool that you sent that and sometimes like you may never hear from them again you know so like how do i reach out to 
follow up without being annoying and like, hey, I sent you yeah. that thing. And I think Did it's, it's going to be congruent. So for me, because I'm using HubSpot, it's I can cheat a little because I can set up a task that says, hey, remind me to reach out to my friend Phil at, you know, this media company. Did he get the peanut butter? Now, the note with the peanut butter was, you know, heard this was your favorite sandwich. Maybe we can have lunch sometime. So it was kind of back on him, but then I reached out and I was like, so about that lunch date was my subject title, right? And so I think the other thing is if you're going to use email, use it in a super clever way. Like I write really cheeky little, I don't know how that translates in the US, like sometimes a little naughty in the subject line, but enough to make you open it, right? Someone who's brilliant at this, I don't know if you've read or if you've interviewed uh, Erin Gargan, but Mm -hmm. Erin wrote this Yeah, digital persuasion. And she talks about grabbing someone's attention in those first 10 words. So if you're going to write an email, make it a cool email, make it a clever email, not FYI or thought you'd be interested in this or some stupid, boring, cliche subject line, write something that's a little, that's going to get their attention, right? So if I was writing to you, I'd be like, oh, I was talking about you the other day. Now, you want to know who I was talking to and what I was talking about, right? Or I was talking about to this person about something fabulous you said. Find a way that grabs their attention so that at least they get them to open the email if you're going to do an email follow-up. So the balance is you can't just spend all this money and send out all this stuff and then wait for the phone to ring. That's never going to happen. You have to be the person who has calendar, you know, scheduled in your calendar time to do follow-up as well. So what do you do long-term then? Because let's say, for example, that you... You know, going back to like the, the timelines and sales cycle of speakers mm-hmm. and, and events. Let's say that you send peanut butter and jelly. The guy's thrilled by it. It is May, but we're not reviewing speakers until December. Thanks. Right. And, you know, yeah. um, or maybe the type of thing like, hey, we just booked our speakers for next year. Check back with us in a year from now, right? So, so common, right? Totally happens, yes. right? So, so what, do you, common. Like, what do you do in the like, I've got their attention, but yeah. I need their attention again in another year or two you years. You just need their permission period. to stay in touch. So, for me, the line could be as simple as at the bottom of the email or before I jump off the call, hey, love the opportunity to stay in touch with you. That'll be okay, won't it? Yeah. And that's the key. That will be okay, won't it? Because who's going to say no to me, right? So I'm asking for permission to stay in touch. And then what I will diligently do is I have like 20 advocates. So to me, an advocate is someone that is outside my practice, could be someone in my industry or someone who has the ability to book me. And I have an advocate spreadsheet. So, well, it's not going to be in HubSpot, but It's not very fancy. Every single month I reach out to those 20 people. I send them a book or a TED Talk or an article. So when Joey's book came out, I bought 50 copies of Joey's book. So then I can start sending Joey's book with a personal note saying, love this book, thought you might like it as well, right? And so I track all these gifts they send. I track all these contacts I have. And so I'm pretty much staying on their radar every four to six weeks, right? Not enough they can track it to be a pain in the butt, but enough that I'm staying in contact. So then I also use Boomerang as an addition to my Gmail, which is just a plugin. It's free. Well, it's not a lot if it costs me something. But then I will bounce the email back to me so that I remember because I don't have the brain or the capacity to remember to follow up with these people. I need systems in place to be able to help me to do it. So it could be as simple as a spreadsheet. Identify 10 people you'd like to work with and then find a way to stay in contact with them. But I think you have to do the work on the front end to know what's important to them. When are they booking? You know, someone who's great at this is Patrick Henry. He's brilliant at reaching like cold outreach to associations and people who book speakers. And then he has like a tickler file or like a system in place where he reaches back out and he's converted so many opportunities because of what you said. They say, oh, we booked our speakers this year. He's like, great, love to reach out to you again when you're ready to plan for next year. When might that be? And so he's really good at it. 
And so I've learned a lot from watching him and talking to him. But I think it's just systems, Grant. Mm. I think we need more systems. I think many of us are brilliant on stage, but we suck at business development. Yes. And so, like, putting hand up. So I have to be super diligent at this. And so I, I try to look at attention as connection. So if attention's really about connection, what am I doing to connect more to the audience? Something I try to be really diligent about which is good for long-term, is when I meet someone, I try and connect on LinkedIn because at least at a minimum, they'll keep their LinkedIn profile up to date. Right. They might move companies, but at least you know that. Right. No, I think the systems piece is so critically important. Like I know that that a large part of my business has been built, not because I'm the world's greatest speaker, but because I have really good systems to follow up. And so if someone tells you, sure, follow up with me next year, they have zero confidence that I'm going to actually do it. But when I do, and I get like I get their permission, do you mind if I follow up with you next January? Yeah. And they said, sure, yeah. sure, if you right. want to, go ahead. And I actually do it. Turn is exactly what they say. That's too. totally right. Yeah. But whenever I do, then oftentimes, like I find that that sets the precedent of this is what it's like to work with me, right? And it has nothing Ooh, to do with you as a speaker. It just shows yes. that this is the level of of attention. This is the level of of experience that you're going yes. to get when we work together. Because we both know like so much of whether an event is going to wants to work with you or not or continue to work with you is the experience that they have off stage with you and 100%. they respond yeah. to emails quickly they got the contract back quickly they exactly. they they got me everything that i needed they had the follow-up calls were great and they did what they said they were going to do and there won't be a diva on the day the other thing that we do is we talk to every every sales call we have. We walk people through our process. So when they say, can you tell me your fee? I said, well, before we get into that, yeah. let me just walk you through our process, which we call BDA, before, during, and after. And then I walk the meeting planner through, here's all the things we're going to do before, here's the things we'll do during and on site, and here's the things we're going to do after. Every speaker needs an after. Because you need a reason to reach back out again. And one of our A's, one of our after activities, is we always shoot another custom video to send to them that they can send to their attendees. And so I talk about accountability in my keynote. So I encourage them to have an accountability partner, tell them what they're going to do. So my custom video simply says, hey, love being with you guys in San Diego last month. It was super, super fun. And you all promised to do something. Did you meet with your accountability partner? Did you have a tally coffee? We talked about tally coffees on one episode 124. And so then I'm shooting this short video, send it to the meeting planner. And I say, hey, could, do you want to send this out to your attendees? As we had confirmed in our initial call, yeah. this is following up based on my contract with you. And they love it, right? And then I say, hey, if you would like me to stay in touch and provide information for your internal newsletters, I'd love to share things with you occasionally. That'd be okay, won't it? And they say, sure. Right. And then now you've got permission to stay in there on their radar. Right. You know, right. so you totally. But even and even go back to what you were talking about earlier, that most speakers like, I just want to speak. Just I just want to get on stage and speak. But this is the oh, side of the too. business that you have to do. And I think like and again, we were we were, you know, jokingly seriously talking about it before we hit record. Yes. You've been in the business for a long time. I've been in the business for a long time. And it's not like like I think you get to a point where it gets slightly easier, but it is still a lot of work. Please tell me when that is. <laughs> Someone asked me the it's other day. Still a lot like, of work. Yeah, they're like, what is it like to have made it? I was like, I don't know because I, if you find I someone, let me know. Please tell me that person. Right. I think the challenge is 
we often, because of social and because of the circles we run in, we only see like the person posting when they're on the stage or at the airport or in the fancy hotel with the beautiful client gift they've received. Being guilty of posting those things too, don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. What we don't see is when we're sitting in our workout gear, like at our desk, like feeling sorry for ourselves, like my calendar's empty. Oh my God, like I'm in emergency mode. But we know, you and I were joking, like if it's May at the time of recording, any business development we're doing, we'd be lucky if that translates to the fall. It's probably the spring of t- the next year. Make sense? Right. So I think we have to also be very careful about not comparing ourselves to what other people are doing. There is no stop to the hustle. Like this is a game that you are going to play every single day. Your calendar will reflect your effort. Totally, totally, totally. Do you find that that's the case? Because again, we are fortunate enough that we're, we're both connected with some big name speakers and people who are very, very busy and have a lot going right. on. Do you find that that's the case for all of them? That behind the scenes, they are just, the reason that they're busy is that they're hustling yeah. and they're busting it. It reminded me of... um. I think this is a Gary Vee quote I heard the other day from a friend who told me, he said that your actions have to match your intent or your actions have to match your ambitions. Meaning that if your goal is I want to book, my ambition is to book a hundred gigs a year, then your actions have to align with that, right? You can't be disappointed when I'm only booking a couple things. If if the actions aren't aligning with what the ambition is. Oh, absolutely. I want to lose 20 pounds, but unless I get on my Peloton and like actually watch what I eat and stop drinking champagne, never going to happen. So you can have all the aspirations in the world of what you want to achieve, but if you don't actually do the work, whatever the work is for you. I think there comes to a point in your career where let's say you're billing, just play with numbers. Let's say you're billing like 50,000 a month, 60,000 a month, right? Or 50 bananas. I don't know whether you can talk fees on your show or not. But anyway, so let's just say you're booking 50 to 60 bananas a month. Hopefully at that bananas. point. <laughs> Who is charging bananas for speaking? I don't know about you, but my mortgage company will not take bananas to pay the bills. Just like they won't take exposure. But let's just say, so 50 or 60 grand a month, you would hope that because of that particular level, what you find then, I think when you get to that point, you have the leverage of activities where people have seen you, you have multiple audiences. You know, one of the things that I've done very deliberately in my career is I've gone into corporations, but gone very deep. So going at the C-level, like true C-level, not just making stuff up, but like actually going and working with the CFO, the CMO, right? The COO, those type of people, but then going deep. So going to all their regional vice presidents and all of their regional managers, et cetera. So that's been a very deliberate strategy for me now, which is great if you want to do corporate. The flip side of that is I barely work the association market. So now I'm realizing for me to get greater depth of clientele, to have more decision makers in one room, I need to pursue more of an association market. Now, most smart people have done it the other way around, gone to the association, then gone to the corporate or industry specific. And so I think you have to also understand what's the best strategy for the practice you want to run too, right? So I'm known within certain industries, which has been very helpful, but I write for CUNA magazine or CU Insights, which is the credit union industry. I've been writing for them since 2014. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I think like sometimes you don't quite, and I got a booking from an article, but understand there's four years of writing there every single month. So we think we have to also think about how much investment do we really want to make? What industries do you want to invest in? I think it's better to be professionally famous to a client or professionally famous to an industry because, you know, I heard, I think it was Jeffrey Hazlett said you can have 
You can be famous or wealthy. You can't be both. And in our industry, I'm always going to choose the wealth, like over the fame anytime. But I think not everyone is wired that way. Some people want the fame and that's no judgment. That's God bless them. That's really cool for them. But I think that we have to be very careful about the activities we do. You could do all the TV in the world if you want to be famous, but it doesn't put more money in your bank account. Right, right. It does not so translate to, to a choose, gig. It doesn't translate to a gig. And yeah. so I think we have to be really diligent about the activities we do too and get more educated on what will give us the return on the investment that we're making, whether it's time or money or our attention. Yeah. One of the things I tell speakers all the time is that speaking is very much a momentum business and that getting the momentum going early on is brutally, brutally difficult because it feels like you're pushing a boulder uphill and getting going just those initial first steps is is brutal. But once you get going. Just when you start though, honey, either. I think you get to different points in your career. Say for example, you you maybe switch fee levels, right? You may know that like 10 bananas, you go to 15 bananas or you go to 20 bananas, right? And so when you make those jumps in those fees and your calendar starts to get empty, you're like, I think I'll go back. I think I'll go back. Like I've done that. be like okay i'll just i just want to put money in my bank account so do you know what i mean so people who say they only speak for like their whole fee or free or whatever god bless those people (laughs) not my reality right Right. someone's gotta pay for my shoes (laughs) how many pairs of shoes do you think you own Uh, that's not a question that i will ever answer in public (laughs) (laughs) whenever whenever we stop recording you can tell me yeah 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 yeah. is it over under over under 50 easy over but but we have like there's a separate part of my house for my shoes and so it's like they don't really (laughs) except when i go into that room so it's kind of kind of works everyone has their thing well people 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 who can't see you right now you're you're five eight so you four ten and a half four ten and a half that's (laughs) i'm trying to give you some extra inches there i would love to be five eight i would like see the world in a completely different way i wouldn't need my stilettos as much (laughs) but i do (laughs) this has been super helpful the book is Attention Pays if people want to find it and find you. Where can we go? There's only one named James online. So that's the easiest way to sort. And Attention Pays is available at Amazon or all the favorite places where your books are sold. Beautiful. Thanks, Nain. Pleasure. What a treat. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Miss Neen James. I'd encourage you to check out her new book, Attention Pays. Really good book, really good stuff from anything Neen puts out. You need to get your hands on that. All right, it's always going to be good stuff. Hey, like I mentioned to you at the beginning, if you're wondering as a speaker, how much should I charge? You definitely want to stop by and check out myspeakerfee.com. Myspeakerfee.com. It's a free speaking fee calculator. Answer a couple questions and it will tell you kind of a ballpark of what you should be charging as a speaker. Again, you can find that over at myspeakerfee.com. All right, boys and girls, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.